Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're talking about Season 4, Episode 7, entitled Dead Weight. Uh, do, we, do we want to play the name game up front? Ironic uh, naming choice for this episode. That's what I thought, too. Uh, actually, I will be up front with my, uh, my change of opinion on this episode. I actually like it. If you throw out the stuff where this episode didn't need to happen at all, uh, <laughs> my, my opinion has actually turned around quite a bit on this episode, I think. Huh. Uh, well, but be that is with hearing, that one massive caveat. So it'll be interesting to hear you defend that because I I can't get over the fact that it, last episodes were in my mind dead weight. That uh, I don't know. No, I, I'm totally with you there. Like they didn't need to happen, or if they did need to happen, they needed to happen in season three um, when we were introduced to the governor. But. Uh, like I said, just throw that out and try to enjoy it for what it is. I think it's a fairly decent episode. Okay. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? So do we have anything we want to talk about up front? Uh, a couple things. Our buddies Eric and James from the Walker Stalkers uh, podcast and of Walker Stalker Convention Con fame, uh, they are doing another one in the middle of March at a city that's yet uh, as undisclosed, but I guess they're going to be announcing it tonight. Anyway, they wanted to extend uh, to our listeners a special discount code if you want to pre-register your tickets. Um, and it's actually like, is it, what is it, like 25% off? Yeah. Uh, what is that code, Jim? Uh, that code is 2014WSCON25. We will uh, put that in our show notes and on baldmove.com and also on our Facebook and, and Twitter as well. Um, so it's, that's a pretty good deal. And I know it's kind of weird to book something before the city's announced, but hopefully they'll get that announced tonight. It's also good for the rest of November. So they should have the city selected. If it's something that you can get to, um, I would encourage you to go if you're a walking dead fan, because it is a lot of fun. The one in Atlanta was a lot of fun and I had no, uh, reason to believe that the next one they put on is not going to be equal amounts of fun. And uh, hopefully Jim and I can attend as well, and it'll be a good time. Uh, yeah. Second big note is, uh, so every year Jim and I set goals for Bald Move. Uh, previous years have largely generated or, uh, or centered around generating uh, audience. Um, but this year we sat down and we decided, uh, you know, we're going to start thinking about how we can turn this into uh, a full-time gig. And we set some financial goals for ourselves to meet. And it turns out we're at the end of November, and we actually hit all of the revenue goals that we wanted to make. So we thought it would be fun if we uh, donated every cent that we raised through our largest revenue stream, which is our Amazon affiliates uh, link at amazon.baldmove.com. For the entire month of December... We're going to donate every cent that we get from that to a charity that's my personal favorite charity. It's the Child's Play uh, that the Penny Arcade guys put on. So if you don't care about this, you want to skip forward a couple of minutes, I'm pretty sure you know how your uh, podcasting application skip button works. But I just want to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, Gabe and Tycho, the guys that run Penny Arcade, uh, were in a battle with Jack Thompson who was a uh, internet lawyer troll that was uh, blaming all of societal ills um, on video games. 
And the Penny Arcade guys are big video gamers, so they decided to start a charity. At the time, Jack Johnson was offering some $10,000 bounty for some bullshit thing. And they wrote a check on the spot, $10,000 for charity. And they decided that they wanted to change uh, the way gamers are viewed by the world and start this large charity. They've been at it for 10 years. They've raised over $10 million. And the way this works is they raise money to buy toys and place video games in children's hospitals across the country. And, in fact, uh, several years ago they opened it up across the world. And I thought it was very cool – uh, charity when I first heard about it and I've been, I've, I've donated to it every year, uh, organized some drives at work. Um, but it really hit home, uh, about four years into it when my son actually had to go to a children's hospital and it was a really scary time for his mom and me and obviously for my son. And, uh, he had, uh, you know, doctors and nurses doing things to hurt him all the time. And he was only three years old and it was scary. Uh, but the one thing he loved doing is be able to go to the game room and check out um, kids' movies and, and check out toys and check out video game systems, and it really helped. And he was only in there for a week, and he's fine. There's a lot of kids that are not so lucky, and they're in there for a lot longer and maybe not so fine. So I think it's a great charity. This year they're actually opening it up to – they're going to start uh, – donating toys and video game systems to uh, uh, shelters for women and domestic violence situations. Um, I really love it. And we are going to, again, donate every dollar that we make off Amazon uh, to this charity. And we will probably keep track of that on a weekly basis. Uh, We're going to, by December 1st, get some kind of uh, tracking mechanism set up on ballmove.com so you can see the progress. Uh, We were projected... And our projections have been coming in pretty close, if not over, to make about $1,500 in December. It would be swell if we could double that uh, for charity. Um, But we'll see how we do. I mean, that's kind of my informal goal is that we could sign a check for $3,000 over to Child's Play. It would tickle me pink. But, again, whatever we make uh, from December 1st to December 31st, that's all of Black Friday. It's all of Digital Monday. It's all of the Christmas shopping, Amazon.BaldMove.com. Uh, help us help these guys help kids. That's my pitch. Very nice. It moved me. I'm going to go buy something on Amazon right now. <laughs> uh, so that is all of the pre-show banter. All right. Uh, then we're let's ready. Get... To... Yeah, yeah. Let's get into it, man. Okay. All right. So we start off this week with another uh, extraordinarily thinly veiled chess metaphor here. Uh, while the governor plays with Megan, and we also are kind of split here between uh, that and what happened at the end of last week's episode, uh, where they go in the screamer pits, Martinez pulls out the governor. Um, so, I, I don't know, what what did you think about Martinez's reaction to seeing uh, the governor again? I agree with his take later on the episode that he probably wouldn't have pulled the governor out if it had just been him. But when he's holding the kid and he's got two girls, uh, two women rather with him, um, he was fooled into thinking that he, he had changed. All right. And that, that plays into, you know, later in this episode, a couple scenes from now, uh, when they're kind of sitting in the couches in the cabin and he's asking him, uh, have you changed? And, and he believes him. So what a fool. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, uh, your move pumpkin is going to be my go-to uh, uh, phrase f- 
for a long time to come. I'm going to incorporate it into all of our games. I'm probably going to do it in our podcast. I wish I'd thought to say it uh, at the intro. Anytime I'm waiting on you, it's going to be your move, Pumpkin. Which, <laughs> by right. the way, it is your move, Pumpkin. <laughs> Jesus. Try not to let that happen too often, audience. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, Megan here is asking him, you know, kind of about – uh, or they're talking about chess. They're talking about whose move it is, and like, are they good? Or are they bad? Um, she wants to know if she's bad, um, and like, she asks if they're going to be okay, if they're going to survive, and she says because they're all good. And the governor, you know, can't really answer yes to that because they're good, but he knows that he is not necessarily that good. Also, we found out his daddy beat him. Yes, so, which is hammered you know... home again later in the episode. Uh, say no more. All is forgiven. Your daddy, daddy whoops on you. Uh, you can be as psychotic as you like. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think you can. Look at Daryl. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. Okay, uh, cool. Because Daryl is the perfect uh, counterpoint for that, right? Daryl turned right. out to be a really good guy, despite and, all that. And I guess that's what really bothers me about the governor is that. They're trying to portray him as really a crazy person, as someone that's really depraved and will do anything. But he, it, it seems like he's way too rational when he needs to be. And 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, you hear things about like Ted Bundy and and other serial killer types where they can kind of turn that on and off. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know. It just something about it doesn't sit right with me. Well, I think sometimes he's got that Shane bug where he's so rational in some circumstances as to appear psychotic, right? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you something. All right. Shane kills Rick in the farm season. Everything else happens exactly the way it is. It's Shane versus the governor. Who wins? Oh, geez. Uh, That's tough because I, I want to say that Shane might even join the governor. Ah. Uh, because uh, they're, they're kind of alike, right? Right. So he could be like – because Merle never was the real right-hand man that he wanted because Merle was too much of a loose cannon maybe. Mm. You think uh, Shane would be that, that guy? But do you think Shane would give up the reins? It seemed like Shane, Shane really wanted to call the shots. He did, yeah, but I think that was because he didn't agree at all with Rick's methods. Um, plus, hmm. you know, Laurie was thrown in the mix. I, I don't know. I think they might end up joining together uh, to maybe share the crown a little bit. It's interesting. What got me thinking about this is an uh, interview that I saw. I think I saw this on Reddit um, where Kirkman was asked that question, and he said that he thought that Shane would have been impetuously led the prison on an all-out assault on Woodbury and gotten everyone killed. Hmm. That's that's possible, yeah. Yeah, although I don't know. I feel like an all-out assault, the edge is to the prisoner, prison people because the Woodbury, by and large, once you got past Martinez and Schumpert and the governor were kind of all paper tigers. Yeah, yeah, shitty so, Bogor wasn't going to hit anybody. Shitty Bogor wasn't going to hit shit. Um, yeah. You know, David, what the hell, I got Asthma Boy. None of those people are striking fear into my heart. No, arthritis lady. Arthritis lady, not going to happen. Uh, so I, there's one shot at the very end of the scene that I actually really like a lot, and it's mm -hmm. the shot with the tank on one side of Megan um, and the RV on the other side of Megan, and the governor just kind of staring off away from the camera. 
uh, this is kind of showing the decision, I think, the next move that the governor has to make in this episode. Uh, he's got to choose between the tank, which is revenge on Rick and Michonne and everybody, uh, versus this new family that he's come across. Uh, and I, I just really like that that visual representation of his decision and the choice that he needs to make. Yeah, but I don't uh, – this episode to me didn't feel like him choosing revenge. This episode to me felt like he was doing everything he could to ensure his new family's safety. Absolutely, yeah. And that's ultimately why he wanted to go to the prison because he realized that what they had here was too exposed and there's no way – you know, they could ever make it safe enough. Um, and he's got the means and the method. And I feel like every everything that he did, crazy or not, in this episode was because he thought it would improve his family's uh, survival situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, once we get to the stuff where Martina starts talking to him about the safety of, of the people um, and, and, you know, not knowing if he can keep people safe. Definitely, I think that is what they're talking about. Uh, I think there's, like, an early theme in this episode also of the decision that he needs to make, though. Um, and, or the, the two guys that this this person could become. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's, like, the, the leak that we're going to talk about. Um, I think it's the next season act, or the next uh, scene, actually. Oh, my God. Uh, where the, the camper's leaking and Lily says, you know, she likes the camp and she wants to make it better. Um, that That leak, to me, is this this idea that martinez is still there with this knowledge that could destroy his family uh and he needs to fix that you know huh i tell you what i think that uh next season scott gimple needs to come into the writer's room and tell everybody that he's in charge every every episode must contribute to the overall season there can be no dead weight uh and anyone that violates that will be cast out because, to me, the Walking Dead needs to embody that ethos. Uh, because I just, I, you know, I, I said last week I would give it till this week to ultimately judge this little two episode Governor episode arc, and I've got to judge it as a failure because it didn't tell us anything about the governor. We didn't already know. Mm-hmm. It didn't ultimately change the outcome that we already know is going to happen. And it took away time from things that we were actually interested in, which is stuff back in the prison. Like I can, I can buy the argument that if this was your first introduction to the governor's character, that this was a decent way to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do still think the writing was bad, the characters were bad, and the acting was bad. Um, oh man, the second time through, I disagree with that. Honestly, I, the I, acting. Who did you uh, think? Who did you sit back up and take notice? And and granted. Part of uh, – I was ad- mad at the episode. Then I watched the season finale for Boardwalk Empire. Oh, and I God. was And I was livid because this is a show firing on all cylinders, and this this Walking Dead is a show with a cracked distributor cap, uh, bad spark plugs, and no compression under cylinders. They – I mean it, it's, it's laughable – I can't even think of a single performance that I would want to hand that, that, that like even from the leads like David Morrissey that I mean honestly I think the best part of the damn show was Martin Martinez was who Martinez Martinez <laughs> Martinez Martinez there you go you can Thank say you. it I don't know why I can't do that um uh, yeah so I think he, never... I think he was the best fucking performance and the, the 
uh, most well-written character in the whole two-episode arc, and that's sad. You're probably right, though I don't think that David Morrissey has ever been bad. I don't think he's been as good as, you know, some of the best on television, but uh, I think he does a stand-up job. I think um, second time through, I didn't like Pete very much, but I did like his brother a little bit more. Um, yeah, Blue Shane Man kind of way. Blue Man Blue Man group was not too bad. Pete was yeah, Mitch too- if you really want his actual name. Yeah, Pete was a shit. Uh Brosis's new girlfriend was shit. Um Brosis was a shit. I like Bro- I don't like her. I don't Brosis like really and, Lily much. And Lily both, they just didn't anything to impress me. It was ah, you know, like I said. Um I, at any time, the horde that we saw four, six episodes ago could have come over the hill and devoured the entire camp, and I would not have batted one eye. <laughs> that would have been kind of awesome, actually. Back, it back actually episode. would have. It would have. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. We're taking a lot of time here. Uh, the governor, Martinez, and the brothers go on a supply run, and then on their way to the survivalist cabin, they find a headless body with a sign nailed to it that says liar. Right. Um, this is, uh, aside from what I said in the instant recap of this being, you know, a handy way to tell the story and an interesting way to tell the story of what happened at this cabin. Um, it's also, you know, kind of pointing out who the governor was clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Second time through, I picked up that as well. Yeah. And I don't even know why it took the second time through. I was just, I'm dense or something because that makes total sense. Uh, and I like the nickname that uh, non-Blue Man Group guy gave to him, one eye Bry. That's pretty good. one eye Bry. Yep. Blinky. Blinky-winky. <laughs> uh, and then we go back to the camp where Tara is flirting with Alicia. Uh, I Okay, this, this scene was fine. I don't mind this scene with them two, but I have some complaints later on in this episode that we'll get to. Well, I think I know what you're going to say, and I'll just tuck it away because I, I didn't – I mean, I don't understand why we need the side romance. It seems – It's fine. I don't care. Whatever. It's fine, but it it sucks up 60 wor- seconds worth of oxygen in an episode that really couldn't spare any. <laughs> there might be more payoff later. I don't know, in, in a future episode, but – Man, I – For now, I, you're right. It doesn't do anything. I can't imagine a world in which I would be watching next episode or even some next season and I give a crap about one or the other losing each other. Well, okay. I so just don't what care. It, what it did is it actually got her character into future episodes, right? Because without this connection here between Tara and Alicia, Alicia's gone at the end of this episode. And is that a problem? Uh, it's – it's not right now because we don't know much about the relationship, but it might in future episodes. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying that I – I mean, I, with these actors and what I've seen from them so far, I can't imagine them making me feel any kind of loss, which is the only point to have in couples in this show, in my opinion. Like, Glenn or Maggie die, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel it. That would be – pretty heartbreaking i'm very involved to see uh what happens with daryl when he finds out carol's been banished um brosis and shitty rifle girl as i dubbed her shitty knife girl 
because she literally stabbed herself in the hand with her own knife, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care, and I can't imagine a, a, a set of circumstances that would let me care. I mean, because uh, what, what's her name? Tara? Is that her? Tara, yeah. Versus? The, the dark-haired girl. Her character's a joke, man. Of, of course. I mean, she's been a joke for two episodes now. She she gave another fist bump to Martinez, who really had no problem with it, right? He was like, yeah, cool. Fist bump. Well, you can, yeah, because I can see Martinez being a bro himself. Sure. But, I mean, I thought he kind of gave, like, an ironic smile. Like, who's this joker? I don't know. Um, but, no, I just, ugh. And it has nothing to, it's nothing to do with them being lesbians. I just freaking can't stand her character. Yeah, no, <laughs> she's, ugh. She's really annoying. Uh, anyway, there, so speaking of the knife through the hand, uh, it opens up with, uh, Lily saying, uh, that's a deep cut or whatever, because it cuts away from the headless guy, which I mm-hmm. thought was kind of funny. Uh, mm. that's a pretty deep cut. Yeah. That's the deepest. <laughs> it must be the first one. That's uh, the Cheryl right. Co. for, yeah, first, first cut. <laughs> so they get to the cabin and they find two more bodies with two more signs. One of, one is headless and it says rapist. And there's another one that says murderer with the head still attached. And so, the fact that we we saw the guy who has this picture um, extraordinarily like the governor's yeah, uh, yeah. picture. In fact, in, in, in case you missed it, they actually had a nice red drop of blood obscuring one of his eyes where it looked <laughs> like he was wearing an eye patch. Yeah, I kept looking at it going, what? what is that? Oh, it's blood. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I'm like... They he is not wearing an eye patch. I I just can't believe they would do that. And then it's a splash of blood, but it's just like, oh my god. Um, and again, like if they did everything else right, that little detail would have been kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was in full just kind of you know disbelief that this was the way this episode was going down. I and then the other thing is, I'm with you. The um, liar. You talk about all the lies that the governor told and, you know, the way he operates. And we see him starting up the lie factory again this episode. Um, you know, rapist. Uh, clearly, um, his uh, beha- that's the reference to his behavior with um, uh, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. And then murderer. Um, and then do you think that this is foreshadowing his eventual end? Because clearly this guy had his, his head blown off after losing his entire family. Is that a uh, nod to the future, do you think, Jim? It could be. I mean, if the governor loses yet another family, I don't know, man. He might go crazy. Who See, knows I thought, what he'll do? I thought this was going to be I, – I don't know. I just feel like uh, – let's keep going. Let's keep going. I, okay. I, 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 I'm just going to end up discussing the whole episode if you don't stop me. All right. So they go in. They get attacked by walkers. Uh who they thought were trapped in the house, and they got out. And then the governor smashes in the head of the wife from the picture, and they find the heads of the two other bodies, as if the allusion to this being very similar to the governor's situation was not clear enough. We needed heads rolling around on the floor, just like the fish tank. Yeah, and also, where did those zombies come from? Uh, A back room, apparently. Uh, So uh, if you buy the, the idea that he was keeping them there because, you know, as as Martinez says later, they were his wife and his kid, man. He, he was trying to save them just like the governor was, just like Herschel was. He thought, you know, I'll keep them around, see what happens. Sure. But how did they get – I mean, 
they had five they had four guys in a roughly 15 by 15 room all with flashlights and these zombies were literally jumping them yeah yeah you'd think back to back to back to back right yeah or ass some to or, ass to ass to ass or something i just i i don't know I, I i i to me the way this was filmed and shot was incredulous like they could have done i don't know they could have done a better job or it would have been kind of horrific to see them chained up somewhere or if the, the door was bolted mm-hmm. but the fact that zombies could free because you hear this door open i'm like so zombies just open doors now um, I don't know. I, I'm nitpicking, and because yeah, this this episode crossed the event horizon, where I go from okay, I'll go with this to no bullshit. Everything's bullshit. So apologies for that in advance. Yeah. Um. There's also so I thought it was kind of cool the way Martinez handles these couple of scenes here, and this really this first half of the episode with the governor before he takes the golf club to the head. Um, he sends the governor in first, right? I mean, he's certainly not the most capable guy there but he sends him in first as if like to test him to see if he's going to pull his weight uh, to see if he's if he's really uh changed and also probably because he doesn't want him going in behind him right i was going to say I, I think it's it makes perfect sense to send the governor in first regardless of the situation because yeah. there's no scenario there where uh martinez martinez doesn't doesn't win sure I guess the reason I say that he was kind of testing him here is because of the next scene, um, which is where, you know, they find the beer and they're sitting around talking. um, And Martinez is kind of bringing up all these sorts of things about the governor's past very subtly. Um, He asks him, like, you know, you seem different. Have you changed? He says, yes. Martinez kind of shoots him a look. And then there's a second where, um, like like I said earlier, when he says – like that was his wife and kid, man. He was probably keeping him in there or whatever. Uh, he's looking right at the governor when he says that to see what his reaction is. Mm. Um, and he sees that the governor's got that picture in his hand. So I think he's really trying to figure out what his deal is right now. I was just too busy noticing that the dude in the picture was wearing the same goofy sweater that he died in. Oh, was he? Oh, that might yeah. be his only sweater, man. It's the apocalypse. I I guess, but you know, you had time to stop at the photo ball. <laughs> photo booth at the mall to get a, a family shot of you and the goofy said goofy sweater before you went off to the cabin yeah maybe <laughs> um so there uh, there's another thing uh here that mitch says he says he can never tell if the governor is winking or blinking because of the eye patch mm-hmm. and i thought that was just a nice little hint as to the hidden nature of the governor in that scene i actually thought there was a lot of good dialogue in these couple of scenes and i thought cigarette scene and all that i thought so too if it went anywhere because we see kind of they're setting up the blue man to be this highly skeptical guy rightly so of the governor and yet nothing the governor does ever arises to suspicion until it's too late to do anything about it yeah that's a fair point um, so then there's a beer lunch with Martinez and the rest of the family and Lily saying that she feels safe for the first time under Martinez. And I don't think the governor likes that very much. Definitely. That was part, part of the things that, that, that sealed his fate. Uh, yeah. the fact that Martinez couldn't shut up about his past, mm-hmm. the fact that Lily felt safe in his, uh, admittedly muscly arms, uh, <laughs> inside the camp, uh, was another. And then... Their conversation on top of the RV is what's going to seal it, but 
Yeah. Yeah, and then they talk about the roof leaking again, and Martinez says, you know, you should go fix that. And I think Martinez is essentially signs his own death warrant here, right? I mean, because the fix here is for him to take control of this camp because it's not being uh, run properly. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's very saw- much what I felt like. Um, and that, that runs into the next scene where the governor is starting to fix up the RV, the leak there. Uh, but Martinez comes by with some golf clubs and they go golfing. Uh, fun fact, because I am the noticer. Um, in that scene where the governor opens the RV door and he's looking down mm-hmm. uh, and you see Mar- uh, Martinez there and he's standing in the dirt and he's like, I got a surprise for you. Over his left shoulder, you can clearly see the shadow of the boom mic operator. <laughs> <laughs> because of the angle they sit. So, and it's like only for like two seconds, but as soon as you see it, it's the only thing you will notice in that scene from here, this point forward. So, wow. Okay. I'll have to go check that out. Um, so then they go up to the roof, they start golfing and Martinez tells him some stories about specifically about Schumpert dying. Um, which is what I think really triggers the governor to say, okay, uh, this guy clearly can't protect this camp because Schumpert, who was a capable guy himself, got killed under his watch. Well, not only that, but Mar- um, Martin Ass is actually all but says, I can't keep your family safe. Yeah, it's and, like, and hey, it I- says you can't keep your family safe, too. Yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, there's your three strikes. You won't shut up about my past. You're making me look bad in front of my girl, and you're saying that you don't even know that you can guarantee my family's safety you're going to get killed. Um, I don't know that that's a rational reaction, but uh, that's the reaction sure. he had. Also, I think the other thing is, and this is where I, I feel like the show is a little bit muddled thematically. Um, I would have much preferred this scene if the governor was not screaming, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this the whole time. Mm-hmm. Because that is playing like the governor is scared to share power because he doesn't want to go back to being the governor. But you can't have him express that fear as he's literally going back to being the governor, I don't think. I don't know. So there's, there's – Like if he had just been saying it's like you can't – you know, it's like you know, if he was like hitting him in the head and be like, uh, you know, you won't shut up about the path, thunk. You can't protect my family. Thunk. I'm going to have to do it for myself. Thunk. And then feed him to the walkers. I felt like that would be better. But but having him like hysterically screaming that you, he doesn't want to share power, which I'm assuming is what he's going on about, that was something that didn't really work for me. It, well, you're definitely right. I think um, the governor is saying there I don't. I don't want the responsibility uh, – or, sorry, not the responsibility. I don't want to become this guy again uh, who is going to protect everybody because I know what happens when I do, right? Um, he goes a little crazy, and he does things that he'd rather not do. Uh, but at the same time, he also doesn't want to lose this new family he's got. So there are two very powerful motivations for the governor there at at conflict, and I don't mm. – I think – the one that he's expressing physically is I need to protect my family. The one that he's expressing verbally is I don't want to become this governor guy. Hmm. So it, it's kind of – you're absolutely right. He's doing something and saying another thing. Uh, but I, I think that's the struggle inside of this character that they're trying that, – that they're intentionally trying to get us to understand. Okay. Uh, so so I, I was okay with that, honestly. Okay, and I also think that uh, Morrissey's performance here was way too much. 
like the whole like physical shivers he was doing as you know right after he whopped on uh uh martin ass um i i i don't know man i i don't know how you would play that um like craziness but the particular blend of of the governor's crazy is not like the screaming psychotic crazy it's like the coldly pragmatic sociopath crazy and uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like again the character was was mixed here. Would you rather have seen Rick's version of crazy here? Um, no, because I didn't think that was particularly that was a betrayal of his character in a different way, and that Rick chose to go crazy and lose himself rather than deal with his son and daughter. And Rick's character, I don't think, would do that. Okay. Except I'm wrong because he did. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess technically they made him. Um, yeah. The the thing that I thought was underplayed in this scene was actually Martina's death. Uh, that to me was so underwhelming. Like they didn't do any gore whatsoever. There were a couple of splotches of blood on zombie hands, but yeah, I think one of his his le- arms are getting torn off or something. Something. I mean, with the gore that they've got on every other zombie in this series, to have a somewhat main uh, side character die you would so, want something else right as a conspiracy theory what do you think about the idea that these last two episodes were largely bottle episodes to cut down cost hmm. to save money for the rest of the season where they've done some pretty big things and what and, is shaping up to be a big finale and what is shaping up to be a big finale that they're like you know i know for a fact that's how fly the Breaking Bad episode, which some people either either love it or hate, came to pass because they were over budget and they needed something very small, very contained. They just had two guys there, one camera crew, one location, and that's kind of been this this case. They um, clearly saved with the actors' salaries uh, <laughs> uh, by not bringing on any really splashy talent, mm-hmm. and they saved on locations because the I mean that shit was so cheap to set up and film. Yeah, you and rent a few I, RVs for the day. It's done. And and I thought that a lot of the zombie set pieces were done on the cheap. Oh, there's a lot of noticeably CGI blood and uh, you know the the rather bloodless way that Martin Ass got killed. Um, Maybe Greg Nicotero couldn't make it to the set that day. He's too busy shooting the webisodes. <laughs> oh God. No, he doesn't do anything with that. Come on. No, no, he did. He did. He directed those. I'm pretty sure. Oh, he directed them. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Hell, maybe I you know. wrote maybe them, too. <laughs> I thought they were pretty bad. Um, okay. Yeah, so that, that... that totally could be it. Uh, actually, it's funny that you mentioned The Fly because that's a lot like like The Fly is to Walter White what this dripping ceiling is to the governor this episode, right? Yeah, I guess. Some people had problems with that, you know, dripping even though it wasn't raining or hadn't been rained. But I, I, I didn't, especially since okay. once you realize that it's a metaphor – yeah, and, and and it does I seem don't like know a small. It hadn't f- rained either. That's the thing. I mean, I, I researched it. Georgia gets like four inches of rain a month in the summer, so like it's easy to trap la- water between layers of stuff. And if there hasn't anybody lived in the trailer, and now there is, and they're jostling around, and now you get this drip. Yeah, um, even condensation might be enough. To yeah, that, right. Yeah, I don't know how you get condensation in the Georgia summer, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it, it didn't bother me. It was a metaphor. I thought it was kind of a shitty metaphor because, you know, that was a pretty minor thing to lose your mind about. But as as far as metaphors go, it's all right. 
All right. So we go back to the camp uh, the next day or whatever. I don't and know. And this this is where the episode absolutely lost it for me because <laughs> okay. I'm I'm thinking and the commercial break I'm like. Okay, wow, this is crazy. The whole arc we saw the governor go on last uh, week was a complete waste. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle this because um, – what's this guy's name? Was it Martin? No, Pete? The other no, the brother? other guy. The other guy. The blue oh, man Mitch. group. Mitch. Mitch. Mitch is going to be all over the governor. This is going to cause some strife in the group. And it'll be interesting to see how the governor pulls his – you know, a uh, politician and his bureaucrat out of his ass to fix this. Nope. Well, nope. yeah. So no suspicion of the new guy at all. Th- yeah, that's silly. I, I think, you know, Martinez, th- th- there's, there's got to be signs of a struggle there. I mean, he the dragged lead- him across the ground all the way the, to the pit. The leader of the group goes, miss, goes out in broad daylight with this guy, and people are saying, well, maybe uh, Martinez is part of the camp is way far away from everybody else. That's stupid, number one. <laughs> number okay. two, still, like, uh, he's got all these lieutenants and whatnot, and nobody's come looking for him. And as you say, there's a sign of struggle. Um, they they wouldn't notice, like, I mean, I don't know, did the governor wipe down the golf head that he bludgeoned his head in, and he did drag him across that field? Um it's just weird. It's like, well, he was golfing on his roof like he does. Then he walked a football field's worth, and that kind of fell into the walker pit. I don't know. It just – and did not – I would just wish there was at least some suspicion cast on somebody. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there was existing camp uh, strife. You know, obviously the whole uh, I'm taking over, no questions asked didn't fly. But I would have liked to have seen somebody try to finger the governor and have him weasel his way out of it because he's good at it. That's part sure. of his character, but yeah. these fuckers don't even suspect him. Ugh. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So Pete tells everyone, you know, that Martinez is dead, and he decides that he's going to be the new leader. Like he said, that doesn't go over very well. So uh, he promises a vote very soon, sometime in the future. Yes, but in the meantime, they go out on another hunt with the governor for uh, supplies. They find a group of survivors and. Pete doesn't want to go in there and kill them and take their stuff, and he doesn't even want to go in there and uh, just hold them up and take their stuff, like Mitch suggests. So they go off hunting, they find a couple squirrels, and then when they come back to the camp, they've been ransacked and killed, and their stuff is gone. Which means there is at least three fairly sizable bands of survivors operating around the prison which Michonne has encountered none of? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, or none of them on a supply run. That's mm. that's kind of weird, too. Yeah, that, that's pretty weird. Uh, it makes me wonder how far away they actually are here, because the governor specifically takes a truck at the end of this episode to go uh, back to the prison. So right. maybe they're pretty far away. I don't know. They better not be too damn far away because I'm not buying that they just have lakes of uh, diesel gas that that, that tank is going to need to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about Pete when he was walking and he's talking to the, the governor about the, the perils of leadership? And he asked the governor, I could use some help. And the governor is like, instant hard look at I'm going to kill you. Yeah, no, I, I totally I'm going to kill you. Like you don't have the chops to keep my family safe. Yeah, and it's like I feel like that is the primary motivation. As soon as you show weakness to the governor, 
he is going to kill you because that's one thing that he knows he won't be. He will not be weak when you need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then the governor comes back and he burst into uh, the camper, tells everybody, pack your shit. We're out of here. Um, here's where I start to have a problem with Tara and Alicia's relationship. Apparently Tara has got Alicia Got? How long have they been at this camp? Two days? And I, she's I, got I, look, her look, already? Look, look, I don't I don't know if this is politically incorrect because I heard it from my friends who are lesbians. <laughs> okay. But one thing lesbians say about each other is do you know what you bring on a sec uh on a, do you know what a lesbian brings on a second date? Oh no, I'm not involved in this joke. Don't look to me for any kind of punchline setup. You need to say what? I'm not. I will wait here Fuck. as long as it takes. You're getting your hands dirty, ba- you, you bastard. <laughs> All right. What do they bring? A moving truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! And All and right. I know, like I see crazy things in some of my friends. Like I saw two of them get matching tattoos after dating a week. Wow! So like, there's some crazy intense bonds that 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 uh, uh, that that form amongst that community occasionally not all of them i don't want to paint them all with the same broad lesbian brush okay the good. same the, the same bro fist bumping brush <laughs> uh but it can happen and uh so I, I strangely i didn't have a problem with that <laughs> okay well i had not heard uh about that so all right whatever whatever i won't question that in the scene where she leaves with them uh anyway we're we're at that point they drive away they get stopped by a pit full of walkers uh in the mud and, I mean, this is the point where he has to make his next move, right? I mean, he's already made a move, but that move has been thwarted. And now he's got to make the only other move that is available to him because apparently this is the only road. Oh, my like God. Said. Oh, my God. Get the fuck out of here with that. This is literally – so his only choice he, – he rounded everyone up in the dead of night and mm-hmm. left the camp – Mm-hmm. And there's only one road that can get him away from here, and it's flooded and full of walkers. And he gets out, and I counted 60 seconds. He stares at these goddamn things <laughs> because that's the only way they can get their quotient of zombie porn in this wretched episode. And then gets back in his car, turns around. The next morning, no one, no one questions. Where did you go last night? Where'd you go? I mean, it's, they, they they were able to pack up and leave in secret along the only fucking road after they the the leader had just been murdered. I mean, I don't. And, I, why and do you have going such a hard his, time understanding it? I don't understand what was going through his head. Like, okay, um, I guess the one road out of this place is flooded. Uh, the only thing left to do is to kill Pete. Yeah. I mean, if you're Don Draper and you're on Mad Men, I can understand you having that thought every day of your life. But here in The Walking Dead, it's like it just seemed – it seemed contrived is a very kind word for it. Very kind, generous word for it. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to fight you too hard on that because I kind of agree. Did you notice in the scene before that they had worms climbing trees? I did see that. You have a problem I, with that too? The, that I it just blew my mind, man. I've <laughs> I've been around night crawlers all my life. I've yet to known climb trees. I'm thinking, why, why did they dress the set that way? Were they trying to say something? I I don't know. Is the governor like a worm in a tree? 
I don't know. Is the, and what does is, that is metaphor zomb- mean? Does the zombie apocalypse put some kind of weird environmental pressure that's 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 caused this race of uh, night crawlers to evolve arboreal uh, tendencies? You know, what I think happened. I think a walker infested with worms rubbed against a tree. <laughs> there you go. And just shed a bunch of worms onto this tree. There you go. Well, you know, one worm in hand is worth two in the branch. Is what I always say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so then the next morning he goes over to uh, Pete's trailer, kills him, goes over to Mitch's trailer, gives him a cigarette, and apparently gains a new best buddy because, you know, you kill their brother, not a problem, as long as I get a cigarette. I had a big problem with the way that Mitch just kind of took this news. Yeah, because I understand him doing it in that moment because there's sure. things you do when you got a gun to your head that you might not do and otherwise. But for him to just throw full support behind the governor, I mean, I understand you had. I don't. I just don't know. I you you hear the news. You say you you light up your smoke. You say, yeah, I'm on your side, buddy. Let's do this. And then you kill the man in his sleep is what you do. Yeah. That is not what Mitch did. Mitch was out there helping him plan the very next day, stockpiling all of the ammunition into one spot where none of the civilians can get to it. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. I, I hated that part of it. Yeah, and again, I hate to go crazy, but Boardwalk handled strife between brothers so freaking well and what it means to, for betrayal and all that stuff and to see this bullshit morality play to go down it it's it's just really bad it's like why my question is why make them brothers at all absolutely if you're going to tear that if you're going to if you're going to you know go through that relationship like so much wet toilet paper why even make them brothers why make that part of their character yeah it it seems are the writers of the walking dead a bunch of only children and they don't understand what a breach that is I'm sure you can look that up, man. Check it out. I, I don't know. I don't know. I was mind blown. Yeah, and it's a shame, too, because the scene is otherwise really good, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. the, the The idea that, you know, the governor is kind of testing him by having him light up that cigarette, right? I fully believe that if he doesn't light that cigarette up and kind of capitulate to what the governor wants here, he's getting I don't blown know. away. I don't think that's true. I think the governor desperately needs him because if nothing else, he needs him to drive the fucking tank. Oh, fair. Yeah. And Good also, point. I think that even the governor would start thinking if he'd racked up three bodies in two days that that dog ain't going to hunt. He needs this guy to help sell the, the group on that. So – I think it was definitely which which is again making them brothers that just makes that job so much harder. I'm just very surprised that they went that direction with it. Yeah, or that they didn't do more to kind of set that up, right? I yeah, mean, like, they like, had have them really bump heads, not just kind of maybe we he's do a, this. No, we should do that. Yeah, maybe he's a half brother who's been jealous of his whole life, or you know that there was more obvious animosity than I think you should have murdered those civilians. Well, I don't. I mean that. There needed to be a lot more time for that kind of stuff to sink in. Absolutely. And, and the story here that the governor tells is really good, too, about, you know, um, his brother stepping in when when they were they were smoking their first cigarette and his brother steps in when his dad's going to give him a beating. Then they both get beat anyway, right? And that's kind of how he views Rick and his, like, kind of foolhardy attitude of taking people in and helping them and trying to protect the weak, um, that's, he, Which, he just says, I'm going to get a black eye and you're still going to get beat. 
Which I get that there's a lot to this as being alluded to in the the Road to Woodbury and the the Governor prequel books, but you know, like you said, you shouldn't need to know any of that to enjoy the source, the 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 deri- derived material. And yeah, I mean, I, I almost like so they make them brothers just so this analogy with the the Governor would work because I don't feel like you need to. I mean, I don't feel like they needed to be flesh and blood brothers for this story to still have an impact where it's like you had the one do good guy mm-hmm. and then you had the one guy who was getting shit done and the do gooder all he does is you get you the same thing happens except for you take no advantage from it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously I don't agree with that worldview, but that's that's governor and and Mitch's uh that's the way they see it. I don't know. Sure. Definitely. Uh, so then we get the status update on the camp where they have turned a, a whole ring of cars around the camp to kind of protect it a little bit. Uh, there are a bunch more walkers than usual, and they've made an armory, stockpiled all of the ammo uh, in this one place. It's going to be arrows only now. <laughs> Daryl would feel right at home. Yeah. Uh, so this to me says the governor is consolidating power, right? Like he is. Sure. He's definitely organizing and helping them out, but he is also doing kind of the same manipulative stuff that he did in Woodbury again. Yeah, I mean, the guy that writes survival guides likes to see, you know, some some acknowledgement that it doesn't take a whole lot of forethought to improve your position. And it's something you can do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, just a little bit every day. Um, but, yeah. And speaking um, of that, uh, so the Screamer Pits. We should probably talk about those one more time before we uh-huh. leave the governor arc. Uh, their use here has got to be purely defensive, right? I mean, they're it not. Seems it like doesn't seem like they're, they're using the walkers for anything because they said no. they're like burning them, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, so it does seem like it serves some kind of, you know, choke point or or um, something like like a mini moat or a distributed moat, something like that, um, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It probably cuts down a lot on how many walkers get into camp. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you had pits that you kind of staggered so they slightly overlapped in some kind of, like, you know, formation like this, that you know, people could easily walk around them and come in and out of the camp, but the vast majority of the walkers are going to stumble into them because they're dumb dumb fucks. Yeah, that's a good point. They don't need, like, a, a bridge to get across or anything. Nah. Uh, all right, so the governor then tells Lily that they can find a better place uh, to stay, and he's looking over maps. But she says this is home. She doesn't want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get. Meg- do you think he was? Yep. Do you, Do you think he would have left it at that had not the next scene happened? Uh, I don't know. I'm really not sure. Because it's like you know, how far will the governor go um, to protect his family if it means losing his family? Because I don't think that. Lily would go along some of his power mad schemes, even it is for their larger protection. But, you know, clearly uh, what happens next is kind of a game changer. So I, your, your move, pumpkin. Let's let's go into that next scene. <laughs> All right. So this is where Megan takes Tara away from guard duty. Not a problem. I'll just abandon my post here uh, and go play hide and seek. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that out so I didn't have to do it at a full octave higher tone of voice because I, I when I watched it, I just couldn't believe it. I I'm annoyed at that character anyway, but the fact that she's got some sort of official duty which probably really just 
in, 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 in entailed her flirting and distracting the real guard, her hmm. girlfriend there, uh, to go chase the kid around camp is just mind-blowing. Yeah, and then obviously uh, she, you know, during this game, finds a walker, gets attacked. The governor is, like, cleaning out his eye hole. Um, and Lily's there, like, saying, hey, I, you know, your eye hole doesn't bother me. Not a problem. I guess. I just, it's like, as soon as Megan ran off, I'm like, she gonna get bit. Uh, oh, yeah, I was, that clothesline I, thing was pretty obvious. I was half right. Um, but, yeah. And then, yeah, so... Uh, he comes out and saves her just in time because the, the walker's leg was a little too mushy for right. Terry to grab onto. <laughs> Which that might be a fatal flaw in the Pete display. Uh, <laughs> the Pete uh, display. Yeah, the Pete at the bottom of the lake. Oh, yeah, yeah, chained up by his leg. Cha- chained up by his leg. You know, how how many weeks do you think that's going to last before he comes bobbing up? And uh, mm. that's going to be hard to explain. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, I talked about that enough on the pre the instant cast. Uh, continue. What else we got to talk about here? All right. So yeah, then we we see Pete down at the bottom, chained up, um, and that's pretty much it. The governor drives out to the prison and he points his gun at people. He sees Rick and Carl. Then he sees Michonne and Herschel, and I think Michonne is where he really starts to, you know, you start thinking, oh shit, prison's in trouble. Um, cause oh, I don't yeah. think he has an especial amount of animosity for Rick, but certainly for Michonne. Yeah. That's and, the thing. When he takes out his gun, as he's staring at Rick and Carl, he just kind of looks at his gun. He doesn't point it at him. And then he right. sees Michonne and that gun is up. He's, right. he's ready to shoot her. Right. So we surely will have some more to talk about in the spoiler section, mm-hmm. um, about what this episode tells us about next. Before um, we get off the recap, uh-huh. I've got two more things I got to do. One okay. zombie kill of the week. I, there, there weren't very many, so this I is, give which it, is another fail. I don't think you've ever had an episode where you've had to struggle to think about the zombie kill of the week. Yeah, this is like a win by default because I think it's it's one of the very few. There's the gunshot to the head, which is pretty boring and uninspired. I can think of yeah, there's two: the one the governor hit uh, with his shirt off, and then. The other one, which is the well, I guess there's there three. has to be three, yeah, yeah, three. But the only one we actually saw on camera of any note was flashlight zombie, uh, and he's killing it with the wrong end of the flashlight too. So uh, yep. I, I don't even know. I guess that gets it. Um, I, I guess so. And idiot survivor of the week goes straight to Martinez. Uh, man, he's dumb. Trusting the governor again after that display. Turning your back on him too. Like, I don't know, especially after it seemed like he was, this was kind of like a make you my bitch move. Like all the times I caddied for you on the wall and Merle caddied for you. Now you're going to caddy for me. Yeah. Give me another ball. Yeah. Give me another ball. I didn't hit that one. Right. I should have took lessons and, ah, yeah. All right. I'll go with that. I could also accept uh, Tara. (laughs) I could accept Megan. Uh, I could accept Pete. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot, a lot of idiot survivors this week. Sure. All right. Well, that's it, man, for the recap. Okay. Got some. Is it my move now, uh, Pumpkin? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, so, as you know, um, uh, let, excuse me. Let me reset that. Are you familiar with the movie Armageddon, Jim? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's a Bruce did, Willis epic, right? 
Yeah, saved the world from an asteroid impact. Did you know that was based on a true story? I didn't. Yeah, except for not only was the asteroid half the size of Texas, it was also shaped exactly like a human molar. Astronomists had never seen anything like it. And no one at NASA, nobody on Bruce Willis's team of roughnecks, nobody knew how to safely drill down to the exact center of this unstable space tube without it fragmenting prematurely, which would turn a bowling ball into a shotgun blast with us... All of humanity straight straight into crosshairs. But you know who did know how to drill that precisely? I have a guess. It's the official dentist of Bald Move, Dr. Brandon DeVito. Of course, you know he's based out of Supply, North Carolina. He underwent a crash course in space excursions courtesy of NASA, journeyed to the massive asteroid in a custom-built space shuttle that they just had out and back of the Kennedy Space Center, drilled down to the center, planted the nuke exactly where it needed to be, and he extracted that asteroid right out of earth's path saving all of humanity in fact it's such a textbook operation they had to punch it up a bit in the movies because no one died on dr devito's mission they had to involve like oh is ben affleck gonna die and oh my god bruce has got to save him all that was bullshit nobody died in fact uh dr devito insisted that his uh role in the story be minimized he didn't even want to be mentioned because he's just that Mm -hmm. goddamn humble so you know Dr. DeVito would love to take care of everyone's dental needs, but if you're in the Carolina area, please check him out. And if not, he'd like to remind everyone worldwide to brush your teeth at least twice a day with toothpaste approved by an American Dental Association or the European Dental Association or the Australian Dent- what whatever lawless organization of dentists rules Australia, uh, and to floss daily because the teeth you save may be your own. Wow. That's, that's a uh, <laughs> crazy story. I love it. Uh, is it crazy or is it true? I don't know, Jim. We'll, I don't know. We'll let the people decide. Uh, we are, of course, part of the Bald Move Network. Uh, thank you for sponsoring us, uh, Dr. DeVito. Uh, you can find all of our content at baldmove.com. We got full coverage of The Walking Dead, of course. We got Game of Thrones coming up, Mad Men, uh, Justified. We just concluded our uh, – um, well, no, I can't say award-winning. We didn't actually win an award. Our award-applying coverage of Breaking Bad. Uh, don't forget our affiliates, the Personal Arrogance Crew out of Seattle and the Because Show out of L.A. And Up Yours Downstairs, um, covering all things Edwardian uh, down in the Bay Area. Uh, I also, aside from these two podcasts I do, we, uh, if you didn't know, I do a survival guide every Friday at noon. It's on baldmove.com where I take a little tongue-in-cheek look at how well – or not well, the survivors did. I'd appreciate if you guys uh, check that out. Um, we always appreciate ratings, reviews, and iTunes and subscriptions. It's the biggest thing you can do to help us drive traffic to the podcast. And again, every all monies that we raise in December of 2013 from Amazon.BaldMove.com are going straight to the Child's Play charity. You can check out at Child'sPlay.org. Um, again, I, I talked enough about it at the top of the show. But uh, help us help us help them. We'd really appreciate it. That's all I got for pimping. Are you ready for some feedback, Jim? Absolutely. Let's get there. Natalie G. from Brooklyn. I should make you do this in a Brooklyn accent. Said, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on Daryl and how he'll react to Carol. Uh, what Carol did, which is killing two helpless living people. Because so far I haven't heard anyone ask this question. My take on it. Well, actually, we'd love to know what the hell he thinks about that. I would have liked to know two episodes ago. But uh, continuing with Natalie here, my take in it 
on it is sure Rick was extremely hypocritical and in the wrong for overriding the council's authority. But putting that aside, Carol did kill two people in the hopes of preventing the virus from spreading and return saving lives. If she had any working knowledge on how viruses work, uh, it's that after exposure, they do incubate in the body for at least one to 16 days before you show signs. So if she was smart, she would have understood that if David and Karen were exposed the day before, surely others had the virus. So killing those two were pointless. I'm just so anxious to see Daryl's reaction to Carol's actions because this is the second time Rick has to abandon someone Daryl cares about while he is out on a run. Ooh, that's a good point. Sure, Daryl did understand about Merle being that, uh, bringing that on himself, but can the same be said about Carol? What do you think, Jim? Mm, well, I certainly don't think he's going to be happy about it. Uh, I, I want to say if the governor doesn't get in the way of this, I think he will probably go out and look for her. The same yeah. way he did about uh, with Merle and Sophia. Yeah, I, I have to unfortunately because I've I've read up on comics and stuff. I have to defer uh, my thoughts to the spoiler section. I will say that I continue to wonder what would have happened if Glenn or Maggie or Herschel or anyone that we had known had gotten sick before. You know, like, is is this because these people are largely red shirts, even to Carol? Um, it would have been a much interesting issue if she'd killed one of the, you know, prime members of the group. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm, I was very interested. I don't know. And it seems like for what's supposed to happen, you know, what we're seeing in the previews and stuff for next week, I don't, I don't, I don't see us getting very far into it. And then if we have to wait. An entire seat, you know, if we have to wait three months to hear it, are we really going to care that much? I'm kind of worried about that. There's a lot of impact there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, more on that in the spoiler section. Dylan S. says, who do you think killed the group who coincidentally looked a lot like the survivors from season one, even down to a Shane-looking guy walking with the shotgun held like Shane did? I originally thought that was the governor, and he was going to blame it on the prison group, but he is with the others the whole time. Do you think it's going to be a dropped plot line, or will it come back? Wait, which plot line? Um, the one where in the middle they find the survivor group, and then they mm-hmm. leave the survivor group, and they come back, and they're dead. Yeah. Who do you think did that? Do you think that this will be a, a drop plot thread, or this will be significant later on? Uh, I, re- I really feel like it was just there to further the idea that the governor needs to protect his family because these guys are not going to. I... I agree. I think that this is just – they're throwing this idea out here that there are roving bands of people to do bad things. Like mm. we saw them in Nebraska. We saw the Woodbury enforcement team, how they carried on. We see this new threat. Um, they're just kind of just – you know, don't forget that there are not just settlements, but there are like roving bands of these marauders and that that's going to come – that's going to be uh, something that comes up in later seasons and episodes. Uh, he also has a bone to pick with you, Jim. You said you're going to go on a booze run. Do it. We need Super Drunk Aaron back. I miss him. Well, Super Drunk Aaron is not here tonight, so <laughs> I don't know that me going on a booze run would have helped. I uh, was drinking Gatorade spiked with vodka. It wasn't helping. Uh, I need. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help anything. Um, I yeah, I'm I I don't know. I I. I don't know if being super drunk would help on the coverage of an episode like this or hurt. But uh, anyway, uh, continuing, Brian Q said, I am sure you guys read Seppenwall last week. He said that the governor episodes were meant to be character rehab for him. 
the writers last year didn't do right by the Gov, and this was Gimple's chance to fix it. The problem is they gave us what they gave us would have been awesome in season three as a Woodbury origin story, but here it's just showing us his redescent into the same madness we all know he's capable of, which was Seppenwall's point for this week. And yeah. I'm always gratified when my hero basically says the same thing that I do. Yeah, because uh, I never read his stuff before I do the instant take, and I've tracked with him because he said, "Well, you know, I'll reserve judgment." And then he was, he was preaching brimfire and and sulfur from the pulpit this week. Um, he says, "My only hope is that we can look back on season four O in total as Gimple's do over of season three five, and that the pipes are clear after this for us to be blown away next half season by something new and exciting, and an all poorly written." My counter to that counter is that's what we were saying about Mazera at uh, the second half of season two and going in strong in the first half of season three is like, well, he's having to clean up not the mess from Darabont because it doesn't seem like Darabont was causing a mess, but that chaos and distraction and, you know, that they were shifting gears in the first half of season two. I've been through that again. So I'm not, I'm not inclined to give anyone in this production slack. They're making way too much money. There's way too many professionals on this team to be to be laying turds like this four seasons in. Yeah, no, I'm with you, especially when they had such a good ramp up through season or through episode five. And they just kind of really shit on the momentum with these last and, two episodes. And again, like there's some people, I mean, I, I was, uh, for whatever reason, uh, Nina Perez over at project fandom has been going after me about my takes on this show. Um, and I just don't get it. Like, if you're fans of, like, legitimately, consistently good works like Game of Thrones and, uh, and, and Mad Men and Boardwalk, or, yeah, Boardwalk Empire and Breaking Bad, why are you content to have this? Just because they do a little bit of symbolism, um, we're going to start, you know, sucking their popsicles? Like, Walking Dead's dramatic aspects should be as good as any of those shows. They've got the budget for it. They've got the acting talent for it. They should be able to get the writing talent for it. And it's just so frustrating to me that they choose not to. These are all fixable problems. They're problems I've been harping on for this the minute I started covering this goddamn show. And they're still problems. And it drives me batshit crazy. Wow. All right. You're acting like somebody killed your brother. Um, actually, anyway, you're a little more riled up than that. I think he, Brian Hughes, uh, he says I, he has a bone to pick with me. Um, where we got we got fights coming from all corners, Jim. Okay, uh, the actor who played Not Blue Man is Kirk. As- oh, for Christ's sake, Ace Vito. Uh, I think it's Acevedo. Acevedo. Thank you. Some people might remember him from Fringe or any number number of guest spots on TV in the last fifteen years, but some people might remember him as Miguel Alvarez. Uh, one of only a handful of characters to make it from the first to the last episode of Oz. You guys both in instant cast said you liked the cigarette scene, and there's a reason why. That's some real acting chops on display. Yeah, believe it or not, I've seen neither of those shows. So I saw the first season of Oz and didn't like it. I felt like it was very dated from a performance all-around aspect. I mean, I, I acknowledge it as... You know, one of the pivotal shows that gave us the gold age of television, but I just couldn't get into it. Hopefully, I'm going to go after I catch up on some other stuff like Sopranos and Deadwood. I'm going to go back and see that. But um, so, yeah, I, 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 it, that wasn't making a connection for me there. I also heard that he's in Band of Brothers. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, that he was the smart ass. Uh, 
Was he? No, he wasn't Private Malarkey, but he's the other guy, the one that could do voices, right? Uh, it's been a while. Maybe I that is remember. Malarkey. Anyway, yeah, I remember liking him from that sh- that show too. So, uh, Jonathan A says, "Who the hell is pouring water on the roof of the governor's trailer? The water cer- there certainly wasn't rainwater. It had to come from somewhere." Yeah, I got to save my. I got to keep my powder dry for other issues there, Jonathan. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe uh, Martinez is up on his roof playing golf. <laughs> He's spilling some of his drinks, you know. Yeah, he put the tea before he got that fancy mat. He's just putting the teas right through the roof. <laughs> there um, you go. And, and then he's taunting him by saying, "Yeah, you better get that shit fixed." Yeah, better get that fixed, man. Uh, Matt B said the signs on bodies IMO was just a bacon gauntlet level ten for showing Brian losing his shit. You liked it. He's calling. He's throwing a bacon gauntlet down, Jim. Uh, which? Sorry, I missed the first part of that. Which scene is he talking about? The signs on the the, the decapitated bodies. Oh, yeah. It's totally bacon gauntlet. I don't deny that. Ham-fisted for those that... The part that I really liked about it is the way that it told the story of the cabin. I think the the part that he's mentioning about the governor is very ham-fisted. But it's... I mean, that's the whole reason. It wasn't there to tell the goddamn story of this cabin. It was there to be an allegory for Philip's life. Well, yes. It was was there for both reasons, right? Uh, Okay. It was. It was. They mentioned, like... Obviously, like later in the episode, the guy says, so what do you think happened here? And they kind of speculate on that very point. I get it. But the story of the cabin is no story at all. So, I mean, it's there only as the main text for the subtext we're supposed to get. <laughs> okay. I'm already, I was already bored of this conversation before we had it. So let's move on. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jenkins from the Caribbean island of Dominica. Ooh, exotic. Um, I don't get what that there would be or i don't get what the governor's motivation for leaving his family with his family after killing martinez i thought that uh, martinez i thought that i think there's an island saint martinez down there oh, martinez i'm gonna have to visit it so they can revoke my passport when i can't pronounce her country's name mm-hmm. i thought that that scene should have been before that the only reason why he would have wait wanted to wait i uh, wanted to kill martinez is either to a protect his former identity or b to gain leadership so why is he trying to take off and play little house on a prayer with his makeshift family after killing martinez excellent uh, question no You've already... not an excellent question i think he's missing one point here the, okay, the I, I give the idea that martinez cannot keep his family safe and it's in that golfing scene that the governor really discovers that but he's saying you killed the man. Why do you take off that night? Uh, okay, fair enough. Why kill him and then take off? Yeah. And you've already crossed the event, the moral event horizon there, right? But he never but if he doesn't if he doesn't get that story from him, he never takes off in the first place. So there's kind of a catch 22 there, right? Hmm. Um he also says you guys Always say how it isn't safe to use gunfire, else you risk, run the risk of attracting zombies as maybe even a mile or – man, maybe I've drank more than I, I thought because I'm having a hard time talking. I call bullshit in Daryl voice on that theory. Do zombies rationalize sound and are like, hey, that was a gun going off, so there must be food. Yeah, they get attracted to sound just like every other sound. So if a zombie hears gunfire from half a mile away, they'll gravitate towards that sound, but – what if in traveling an animal in the forest rustles some bushes? Doesn't that sound distract them from the original sound, or do they prioritize the distractions or sounds by order of importance? Jenkins, you are asking a lot of questions that I cannot answer about zombie behavior. Um, I agree that 
it seems to me one of the things I really found fascinating about the series is that they had this zombie Bible that they 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 shared with the public before um, this this thing ever aired, where they said these are the things that govern zombie behavior. They've since thrown most of that shit out, but the way they ex- the way they explained it in the beginning is yes, um, a a zombie starts off like a two week old crack baby. Like, it's just anything shiny or noisy, they're going to investigate, but then they're going to get distracted by other things that, that pop up. But what happens is, let's say once there's there's five zombies and two of them stagger off towards a noise, the other zombies, kind of like a pack, um, follow them because they figure that they're going somewhere, you know, but then they forget why they're all going. But any time one gets distracted, the other four are still going in that direction, which triggers their herding instinct. And that's how you get a massive herd together because they keep on going and people keep joining kind of like a, a grim version of Forrest Gump's uh, run across the nation. And they don't know why, but they're doing it. And it becomes this self-reinforcing thing where it can't be stopped until they probably walk into the ocean or off the Grand Canyon. Um, so, yeah, if there's a single zombie walking through the woods and hit as a gunshot, it's probably going to fall that until a squirrel goes by or a tree branch snaps or whatever. But if you get three or four walking, they become this unstoppable thing. You're yeah, the okay. zombie lore master, Jim. Did I did I do that right? Uh, from what I know, yeah, you're right. But, like, I I don't make these rules. And the show has certainly told us uh, several times that gunfire attracts him. So... I don't know, man. I, I just really don't know. Um, I fucked up last week. I called Daniel W. Daniel W. B. You can see it's an easy mistake to make, uh, but he is not the professional podcast critic. Um, it's Daniel Winslow. Uh, I apologize for that. He says, I think we needed these last two weeks, and while I liked the episodes, I can understand why others didn't. Gimple would have been caught even more flack if the governor just showed up at the prison with minimal explanation. I believe the season will hold up better in the long run from taking this detour as more people binge watch shows now. And that is a better format for the storytelling we have had in the last few weeks. Jim, if we had not seen the governor until next week or until the end of this episode and he rumbled up to the prison with a couple Humvees and a tank and like 50 badass looking dudes would you have had a problem with it? Oh, hmm. Maybe. But less than a problem less of a problem than I had with the way that they did it, I think. Honestly, because I don't I don't think I would have had a problem. That's exactly what I wanted to see. Just kind of out of the blue, he shows yeah, up. Yeah, like like he's been he, he he ran around with his tail tucked around his leg, but he the tail I mean, we could have you know, I mean, like, so so then next week we could open the cold open of the governor and Martinez and Schubert sitting around a fire and the governor is talking about, you know, we're not going to make the same mistakes. We're not going to take in women and children. We're going to take in the elderly. We're going to have a lean, mean, we're a fighting machine. We're going to do what we do best, survive. All that other stuff is the distraction. And, you know, and, and set that into a montage of him recruiting people and killing people and, you know, raiding a National Guard supply and starting up the tank. I mean, like, that would have been cool. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. <laughs> okay. I, it would have been a little weird for him to just show up out of the blue, I think. Um, Why? I would, I would want a little bit more backstory to it than that. Uh, really? Because I'd have all these questions like where did he get the tank? And 
actually, if it, if it happened in the last episode of this half season, I probably would say, all right, well, let's give them, you know, a couple episodes next season to see what happens. Maybe they'll explain a little bit about that. And I think that would have been a better time to do it if they're going to do a backstory for the governor than to have it totally disrupt the momentum we had going into the last three episodes of this half season. Yeah, I, I totally disagree. I think that we needed hardly any backstory. We already knew all the motivation the governor needed to come back and kick the prison's ass was contained last season. No, that's totally true. I don't, I don't disagree with that. What I, I guess the backstory that I'm talking about seeing is where he got all this stuff. Like, how did he reaccumulate so much power when he had just destroyed everything he had? Again, I think they could have solved that in about five minutes worth of montage dialogue up front of a cold open of season of, of episode eight of the season. All right. That's if, my If opinion. it was set to Eye of the Tiger, I would go along with it. <laughs> You'd go along with anything if it was set to Eye of the Tiger. That's true. Um, Molly says, I feel like you guys – whoa, my mouse scroll is going crazy – Molly says, I feel like you guys missed something I saw as a very important part of this episode, namely the survivalist cabin scene. I feel like this scene of the episode drew strong parallels to the governor's character, and that was the tip of the iceberg for, for Brian Phillip Govna to fall back into his old ways if we were to assume that he ever changed in the first place. Um, we talked about this stuff. Um, uh, we she wonders the same thing I did. Is this symbolizing the governor losing control and changing his name and backstory and becoming Brian? The fact that this guy blew his head off in the front porch, or is it foreshadowing what will become the governor if he doesn't regain control? Inside the cabin, the man kept the actual living heads of the zombies. They're rolling around the floor, biting at people. This calls back to fish tank, which you pointed out. She felt like this is a bit of a turning moment for Brian to begin to realize the strength and ruthlessness that he had as the governor that he has somehow lost his touch with. Um. I agree. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think, Jim? I just don't think it's inter necessarily that interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it is showing his ruthlessness. I don't think that necessarily he he liked what he was seeing there, but he was certainly recognizing himself in that scenario. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I felt like it was maybe like you said a little ham fisted earlier, but. Uh, it served its purpose in, mm. in this episode that we didn't really need to see anyway, right? <laughs> right. Uh, Kimberly M uh, says, while I didn't like Martin Ass being murdered, he sealed his own fate when he allowed Brian to come into the group. Martinez knew that the old governor was not a power-sharing type, type of guy, and he knew that he was. Maybe Martinez had a secret death wish. Um. What do you think about that? Do you think that he, uh, when he was talking about Schumpert, he was also talking a little bit about himself? Um, I don't know if he had a death wish per se. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it that. What I'd say is that he was kind of tired of being the leader. Maybe he seemed kind of fatalistic about it too. Like, well, maybe I can protect them. Maybe he can't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe zombie will come bite me. Yeah. Um, like it did Schumpert. Um, sure. I can get behind that. Uh, how about the governor shooting the zombie at the end and just walking away from the little girl? Where is the love? She speculates she thinks that he somehow put the zombie there, planted as a false flag operation. Uh, what do you think about that? I think that's a little crazy. I don't know well, how he would have time to do that. I don't know why he would do that. Like everything we saw this episode was him wanting to keep his family safe, right? He's not going to try to kill Megan. I don't think we'll get the answer to that. I think uh, you're probably right. But on the other hand, I can't dismiss it out of hand because I feel like that that's how muddled the the governor's motives have been. 
this episode and, and last. Okay. Ryan C. agrees with us that these last episodes seem like a waste of time. The only reason I can see is that maybe Gimple and his writers felt going getting right back to the attack of the prison wouldn't be enough explanation or enough use of Morrissey this season. Ugh, it's terrible, terrible reason to do something if you are just got sunk costs into an actor. Uh, maybe they just wanted to reboot him in their own way since they were left with a mess at the end of the last season. I just hope they finish up this conflict and don't leave the cliffhanger in the middle of this attack for February. Um, what are we going to do if they don't actually get around to attacking the prison until the very end of this episode, next episode? <laughs> Uh, is is this is this going to be like the apocalypse now podcast? Are we just going to you know be sweaty with our shirts off and bloody handprints on our face? Um I mean is is that what's a, I mean bullshit isn't a strong enough word. Uh-huh. You think that's a, there's a chance of that happening? Uh god, I hope not. I mean, they have set it up to where Ah, man, I almost wanted to say that they will come back right where the governor left off, but I don't think they're going to do that, I think. Yeah, because they still can't just roll right up onto the thing with the tank the way they said it, so there's going to be some setup. I'm just like, as bad as I hated these last two episodes, I'm still super pumped about this next one. But that's only if they start and finish the prison arc with it. It's... I don't know that the prison or, or arc the governor is going to be done. The, gov- but... the governor arc has to be done with. Yeah, that's that's got to go, man. I mean, one way or another, he either needs to, I don't know, kill all of the prison group and the show is over and it becomes a governor show spinoff, or <laughs> he needs to die. One way or another, the governor storyline has to be over with. All right. So we would not be fans of that there, Ryan. Uh, Riley M. says, why couldn't they just have sprinkled little bits of the governor's arc throughout the first seven episodes of this season, then have it build to a confrontation with the, at the prison? So much of this shit just wasn't necessary. Instead of having the governor get separated from Martinez only to take his uh, – only to make his way back to him anyway uh, to an episode later and kill him, how about he doesn't get separated from him at all? And they have to met up with the sisters and little girl where they form their own camp. That would be enough fat to trim off to condense the story down to being just told through cold openings. That's a good idea. That's like if every cold open in this season after maybe the first one had been a five minute like webisode style of the governor. That's a that's a fantastic idea. And the the plot lines are are merging together like this. And and you could do exactly the same thing that you did here. With their storyline, it's just instead of him randomly running into this camp that is pre-built, Martin, he's like had had some sort of change of heart after his psycho break, and Martinez is now in charge, and he is following his orders, and they run into the group, they start to build this town. Yeah, that would be fantastic as as little mini episodes right up front on every every single show. I, indeed, indeed, I'm I. I don't know why it's taken me this long to think about that, but that's a solid idea. You never would have thought about it. The listener had to. I know. I that's in retrospect though, that would solve all the problems. If they wanted to do it this way, if they had to do it this way, it would have been a little doses of him, you know, how him and Martinez moved on, how they found the girl, how they ended up with the camp, how how it went wrong and why they decided they needed to attack the prison. 
as we're seeing the prison struggle with the stuff that they're not and, and and as as Michonne is giving up the search and we see this stuff happening it would have been interesting on that level and then yeah. you wonder can they deal with the problems at the prison in time for the battle with the governor you know yeah Oh, oh well. <laughs> Justin B says, the more I think about it, it seems like this half season is what the second half of season three is supposed to be. I think as much as most fans disliked it, these two episodes had to be done to get where we need to be. If the governor just showed up with an army, no explanation, the complaints would be about not seeing how he found a group of people. Ah, I that would have been mine. I don't, I don't get it. I don't think that's true. Uh, the episode could have fit the gov- uh, could have fit if the governor being the leader story in the first half to, uh, I've this sentence makes no sense or I'm too drunk to read it. This episode could have fit the governor being the leader story in the first half to one third and finished with the start of the prison confrontation, in my opinion. And I watched the sneak peek for next week. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. A little spoilery there. Um, we will stop it there and talk about it in the spoiler section. Um, we've mostly talked about this. so Let's keep moving. Run a little long. Uh, Rachel B says power. Uh, water is the power. Uh Oh, we got Coffee Theory Epsilon here. <laughs> oh, no. Water is the power in this season of The Walking Dead. Rick washes daily in the water barrel and comes back into command. The governor's reluctantly back on top after the leak in the roof kept calling to him. Carol couldn't stay after unilaterally fixing the water pump like it's a coup d'etat. Pete ends up out of his depth in the lake and over his head. The governor looks out over a huge lake and dreams of bigger things. Tyrese, he washed his shirt in the river. The writers are putting him up as a challenger to Farmer Rick. Tyrese's shirt being baptized in a river is going to make him challenge Rick. I don't know if I can go along with that. Hmm. That uh, I love my liquid theories, but I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to keep keep observing Coffee Theory Epsilon to see if it intensifies into a full blown theory. Uh, right now, it's just a tropical theory. <laughs> Ultimately, not a threat. Off the topic, I listened to an author called Eleanor Learmonth, Learmonth, who researched groups of shipwreck and stranded survivors. Uh, Some groups went full-on Lord of the Flies in a few hours and mostly died, while others went years on an island with no casualties and and wrote a constitution. Her book is called No Mercy. Here's the rule she found to successful groups. No alcohol. We're fucked already, Jim. Yeah, done. Forget about it. I'm starting my own group. Choose a leader. Have a way to replace them. Establish a routine and give everyone a task. Keep busy even if it seems pointless. No one is above working. Rotate the work schedule and share resources equally. Have a plan, and if it fails, make a new one. Don't sacrifice the weak to save the strong. Defend the victimized or you'll be next. Don't let the group fragment into factions. Communicate. Don't put self-preservation above the group survival. Very interesting. Rick's group fails on at least two of those by my count, and they don't cover their mouths. <laughs> So uh, I, I like most of those rules. Um, uh-huh. The the only question I would have is, was this experiment performed with other groups out there, like actively looking to take your stuff to survive on? Because that changes the equation a little bit, right? That's true. That's true. And like in every survival scenario, when you're on a deserted island, you don't have to worry about another group of shipwreckers coming and <laughs> cutting your throats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then also, like, if you want to make it even more Walking Dead-ish, you'd have to have some kind of natural predator that's always lurking to kill you as well. Mm, an island full of tigers. Yeah. Yeah. We should make that movie. This is sounded pretty right. <laughs> sounded pretty right. Um, I'm going to have to read that book because it sounds like the kind of thing that I would devour, pardon the 
the uh, pun. Uh, Doug J says, if we had to spend two episodes with the governor, I'd rather they just reaffirmed right up front that he is still a murdering psycho and then watch him consciously and methodically manipulate Lily, Tara, Megan, Martinez, Pete, not Blue Man, and the rest of the group to launch his final attack on a prison. Instead, we get a crap ton of rehash backstory we already knew or inferred, a completely unbelievable struggle with his inner demon plotline, all candy-coated with so much heavy-handed metaphor would make... Bulwer Light Litson Wretch, which I have no idea. I'm not smart enough for that reference there, Doug. No, I would have gone with a Willy Wonka reference, but okay. I mean, Megan draws an eye patch on the king. Really? Megan asks, do pawns die? Megan finally asks, Brian, it's your move. Ooh, it's also very clever. Not. Thank you, Doug. You're reading out of my scripture there. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Nate from Chi-Town says, when I first saw the army guys that were found headless with the sins written on them, I immediately noticed that all the sins were sins that the governor had committed, blatantly labeled as such. We've talked about this now twice. I'm going to go ahead and skip. Uh, let's see. Wait a second. Uh, oh, this is the Michonne theory. Um, is it possible that Michonne may have done this with her katana during her search for the governor? That or the governor did it himself before as some sort of cleansing of his own sins? It's very confusing. I'm only trying to make sense of it because the show did not. I saw this theory someone else had on Facebook where they're saying, "Is this was this the, the Michonne trying to smoke out the governor? Yeah, this I is don't, a, a crazy cool theory. I like the idea. It does. I just don't, especially since those beheadings were so clean. Yeah, and, but and the guy killed himself. I, I right. It, to that's me, there's the a very clear story there. But man, that's a cool idea, right? The only thing that troubles it is the fact that it looks like the guy at the end kills him, and that those zombies were in the the cabin. Michonne style is not to leave zombies behind. Sure. So um, that was where I think it falls apart for me. Uh, Marky says the choice to move his way from all the cool stuff going on with Carol and turning heel and whatnot for this season three reboot has pissed me right off. Regardless of what happens, we totally lost the momentum of the Grimesocracy. I enjoyed this episode on its own terms, but the plot of this season is totally off the rails. I think we can all resent the governor hijacking the middle of a cool season of her favorite TV show, Herschel Nightingale and Machine Gun Carl. I agree. He also says maybe if we had a full continuous season instead of eight and eight nonsense, it could have worked. I find myself wishing that the governor episodes had been the first two of the season if they really felt the need to bring old one eye bribe back into our lives. What do you think about that? Do you think there's any criticism of their artificial need to have two climaxes now, two cliffhangers? Is this fucking up the Walking Dead experience? Sure. Uh, I, I think a little bit. So if you were to say, okay, next next week is not a uh, three-month hiatus. Next week is just, you know, another episode. Then these two episodes would have been just two more episodes, right? We've had seasons where... Uh, there have been a couple of bad episodes in all sorts of shows. I mean, Breaking Bad has had those, right? And yet the the entire season does not suffer b- because of it. I think when you break it into two halves, you you don't have as much room for kind of filler episodes and bullshit. So I, I think that definitely would have helped if we were just rolling right into the second half of the season. Um, sh- yes, I, I, can, I, can, I, can go, I can co-sign all of that. All right, well, co-sign it. Let's move to the next I'm email. Wait, I'm waiting for a year move pumpkin. I keep giving ah. you these openings, and you never take them. I'm not going to say it, man. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> You're going to say it. Oh, oh yeah, you will. 
Um, Shay M says, uh, you guys never pimp your music anymore. That's on you, man. Uh, you all right. To- it's my brother's band, mysterianamusic.com. The band name is Mysteriana. Uh, they've, did, they've done a couple of podcast uh, theme songs, and they've got a couple of albums and stuff. So, yeah, if you like the theme song, uh, you can get the full thing there. You just go to the extras section, and it's there under the downloads. We really ought to start pumping, pimping that just out of courtesy. I know it's your brother and all. And the bond, the the, bro- the bonds of brotherhood are pretty weak. We've established. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, screwing them over is nothing. But maybe we should. I, I, I kind of I feel like that. Uh, also says, is anyone else noticing the governor's replacement wife looks way too much like Maggie? Do you I, think there's any? No, I'm not. I'm not. A lot of people it. say that, but I don't get it. I don't. I mean, because uh, she has dark if, hair. That's kind of cut similarly, but I mean, other than that, I don't see the the, the familiarity there. Um, Sean S says, I know that Aaron is a deep dislike for the current governor arc, but I feel differently not being the reader of the comics. I feel a bit more of what makes the governor wait, not being a reader of the comics. I need a bit more of what makes the governor tick. I like the character development here. I feel I need, uh, I know more about him and why he does his things. Some of these horrible things. I felt the arc humanized him a bit and gave him reason to go back to the prison. And it all relates to protecting someone. And didn't Rick take the prison from the current inmates and killed the convict that posed a threat. I also want to compare this to Star Wars prequel and got the backstory of why Darth Vader went to the dark side. Not sure you want to go there, Sean. Not sure you want to go there. (laughs) Especially uh, when he felt he lost his family, he went dark side batshit. Um, Sure, I I get the comparison there. It's a fair one. Um, The thing is, is, uh, um, if you're just a comic reader and you don't read the Governor prequel books, which a lot of people haven't, this governor's had way more backstory than the comic book governor, and I don't oh. know that it really serves the story that well. Well, that's the thing. Like, we had inferred or been straight up told all of this about uh, the situation in Woodbury, I think. Um, this this is – and the, the comparison with Rick I don't think is particularly fair. He killed that guy because the guy tried to kill him actively. Uh, but I, I just don't – I don't see – I don't see where we needed all this backstory for the governor. Like, I, I already knew all this stuff about him, right? He's a psycho because his daughter died. He wanted to protect her, and he couldn't, and now... Again, I felt here. like we were watching the genesis of Woodbury more than we were this, and I don't need... That. This isn't his story. Yeah, so, and it would have been <clears> far more interesting as the genesis of Woodbury. Final email before we get to spoilers. Sully from Boston says, That's a boring, dumb, poorly written and acted episode filled with holes. Great idea to kill Martinez on top of the RV where no one will see. No one sees Governor dragging the body. Did he clean up the golf clubs, uh, the body dragging area, and the top of the RV? Why would Martinez warn others about Governor's... Why wouldn't he warn others about the Governor's murderous past? Plus, once Martinez left the Governor for dead, he's got to assume kill or be killed if he ever sees him again, especially when he's literally holding the upper hand. As far as a group ambush, sitting in woods, they're able to immediately assess group numbers, supply, quantity, quality, and ability to be overrun. We are to assume that they can walk in and shoot them all without no risk. Yet at the same time, this group is alive 18 months into the apocalypse. That's where this whole episode broke down for me. The governor's survival guide is to kill all threats, yet he just lost his whole freaking town because he operated under that dumbass assumption. Oops, I guess they were right because after surviving 18 months, the group is dead within hours. I don't want to watch dumbass humans battle dumber, half-assed humans. They should all be preparing to fight the highway horde of 10,000 zombies slowly marching through the prison. What do you think about that take, Jim? Mm, it's hard to argue with the idea that 
the results he got in Woodbury with this strategy were not great. Well, and and I actually was going to mention this on the cast until I read his email, and I'm like, okay, I need to save this. There should be – that's the thing that bugged me about the hippies, right? There should be no babes in the woods at this point. There should mm. be no lambs ready to be fleeced. If you've survived out there in the open for 18 months, you are hard. Yeah, chances are. So the fact and the and, and a lot of people are like, well, why didn't people hear the gunshots when this thing is and the people are like, well, it looked like a lot of them had their throat slit. So this some group just walked in and did the like nice guy governor routine and slit all these guys through. I mean, uh, I, they didn't even do the nice guy thing because the the barbed wire was cut. Yeah. So, I mean, did these did these writers inhabit the world that they're writing? Like mentally, because I don't feel like sometimes they do, or else they wouldn't do stuff like this. Sure. Like we should never see a group. Um, and it's funny because I've been watching a lot of season one lately. Um, for some random reason that I can't talk about right now, but it's amazing how lackadaisical that group was compared to you know Rick and season three and four especially. Everybody should be like that, or you're dead. Yeah, because we've had the Nebraska group rolling around, we've had the Governor's group rolling around, we've had this other group rolling around. These guys have been picking off the weak, so we should be heading to where it's going to be the strong meeting strong every single time, which is kind of exciting from a narrative standpoint. If the fucking writers remember that, sure, that's all we got, man. Uh, if you'd like to fill our email basket full to bursting like a zombie's belly. Do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com. You can follow us on facebook.com slash baldmove for our weekly live threads. We get hundreds of people on there all blabbing. It's exciting. It's funny. It's just not to be missed. And Jim has got a riot that he manages over at twitter.com at baldmove every week during the live thre- uh, the live tweetering. Uh, that's all I got, man. I'm ready for some spoilers. How about you? Uh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, you hear thanks. that, listener? It's your move, pumpkin. Are you coming in the spoilers or are you staying behind? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week right after the episode for Instant Cast. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you Sunday. We're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? We got some light spoilers. First of all, do we want to talk about yes uh, what we saw in the, the preview for next week? Yes. Okay. Um, let's see what we didn't talk, see, which is the uh, the tank. I did not see the tank breaching the prison defenses, which makes me think that they're maybe doing this unthinkable, which is setting this up for next season. They, they can't. They are you kidding me? After the shit show that season three finale was there's no way they let it go on i don't think they have i that's the other thing about the show is i don't think they have that much creative control i think the amc execs have way oh. too much say in what sh- this goes on the show from a budgetary pro which which basically uh starves the beast creatively like if you say you're you know we're making a hundred million dollars but you can only have a $750,000 budget per episode. Well, uh, we'd like to build new sets. And we'd like to go new places, but gee whiz, this prison's already built here. Um, you know, 
So they don't want to blow up their set? I guess. I mean, they can only do it once, right? That's very true. So they do the CG stuff that they did when they blew up the CDC. Um, you know, one guy mentioned up here, let me see if I can find it real quick. Cause I tried to, I, I saw him going into spoiler mode and I, I missed it when I was editing this. Um, let's talk about something else while I'm looking for this. Do you do now that we've seen the governor scoping everything out? Um, and assuming that this goes down similar to the prison routine, who do you think gets their head chopped off at the gates or executed at the gates of the prison? Uh, Herschel. I think Herschel's going to get it. It looks like it's going to be Herschel. It looks like Herschel and Michonne are going to get jumped, and the governor is going to do that right at the gates. And yeah. that's going to be really tough. Yeah, and we see the scene there where Carl's got his gun kind of aimed at everybody. Uh, and he says, I could end this right now. Why doesn't he uh, end this right now? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, the Rick's horseshit farmer talk. I don't know. Yeah, it's the, um, the six months of harsh Georgia winter. The other thing is if, if Herschel does get bit, I'm going to be mad because the impact on that will be blunted by the fact that we've gone two weeks from seeing him. Absolutely. Had we come off the episode where he was – like where he's a killing saint. himself to save everybody else. Like, like, yeah. said, like the listener said, a Herschel Nightingale. Ah, uh-huh. uh, uh, yeah. But I, it seems like Daryl's going to be safe. It does seem like it's going to be Michonne and Herschel, and it's going to be Herschel getting getting the beheaded there. Yeah. Um. Um. Anything else you want to talk about that you saw um, in Latin in the previews? Uh. No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, he's somehow. The governor is going to get those people on his side, obviously, to go with him. Well, uh, I think I like, think this yeah this trumped up zombie attack is what's going to be all the the emphasis he needs for that. When he says, "I know we can find a prison, we just have to fight for it." Um, although, how's he going to? Uh, do you think he's going to spin it as these people killed the Woodbury experiment? Because uh, like, he's he could yeah. And and I think people would eat that up because he hasn't wanted to talk about it, and he hasn't wanted to talk about it. And now if he tells if he sells that with a typical governor flair, I could see that swaying everyone. Yeah, definitely. I hope that there's a betrayal by uh, Mitch at some point because I would be mm. really disappointed if he just killed his brother and Mitch was like, yeah, that's cool. Let's go roll up on this prison. Oh, the other thing, I guess – when we're talking spoilers is, you know, a lot of people have speculated that maybe the governor was behind the rat plot. Mm-hmm. That is impossible now, right? Uh, We've seen what the governor has uh, yeah. been doing. He has not been feeding rats at midnight to, <laughs> to the zombies outside. The Shit, prison. He can't even get out of the camp. The only road there <laughs> is closed by zombies. <laughs> um, the other thing um is the other suspect that's not Lizzie uh, was Bob because people speculated Bob was a plant from the governor. That is no longer on the table. Certainly, yeah. Okay. Um, just well, no, to... no, no. Not true because he's only been there like a week, right? Yeah, but we've seen the gu- – we've caught up the current time. This is the fr- – unless they're playing narrative tricks on us, the governor seeing the prison for the first time, well, we last on two weeks, we caught up to present day at the end of this episode. So unless he went off and did things that we didn't see, you know, because we know he didn't meet Bob yeah, Stuckey. Yeah. Well, okay. So we don't know that Bob is not with that group, though, right? And they just haven't shown him? 
But he's in the prison. But not not. F- so what I'm saying is, there a week between when he kills uh, Pete and Martinez, and when he goes back to the prison? Maybe he. Why? Has had Where, time what to evidence plan? did you see that? I, I feel like this is like the next day. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I just don't think we can totally rule it out. Okay, I think you're being overly conservative, but okay. I, mean, I would, yeah, because if if they're going to do something like that, they needed they needed to be connecting those dots, and I don't think they they have. Sure. Anything else we can talk now that we've seen the full uh, almost the full season? Anything else we can revisit? Uh, not that I can think of right now. All right. Uh, Jeff S says his guess is a Herschel. Um, uh, gets hit early and that Beth slash Judith gets hit late uh, when the whole group gets driven off this next episode. The governor makes it too, unfortunately for now. Uh, Carl and Rick are together and the rest of the gang get split up. Can't take the baby on the road and since it carries a shock factor without killing off popular characters for another half season, the baby gonna get it. What do you think, Jim? Mm. I say throw Glenn into the mix too and Maggie can really just have a shit episode. <laughs> uh, now nah, I think... I'm think, kidding. I, Obviously, yeah, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying that I don't think. I think if they kill Herschel and Judith and Beth, that's going to be a pretty significant body count. What do you think about the the, Hersh, uh, the governor surviving the prison attack? Fuck that. He's got to die. I could see it being ambiguous because I could see them bringing him back for the Negan plotline later. Because no, I no, honest, no, no. I want Daryl to. Twist him onto the front of that tank barrel and fire a round up his ass. <laughs> uh, Ryan C. says, if there are enough time for the governor to convince them all to attack the prison, kidnap Michonne and Herschel, lead the attack, and finish the group fleeing the prison, if they do flee the prison and get separated, how will the Rick, Daryl, Tyrese conflict over Carol be resolved, especially since episode 9 is thought to be the Carl-centric episode with only Rick and Michonne? Very. That's the thing where I'm hold hanging my hat because I've heard very credible sources, including Andrew Lincoln, say that episode nine is the Carl centric one. That can only be after the prison assault is over with. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping that that is what's happening. The other thing is, it could be that they tack on an extra 15 minutes that we don't know about. That's true. That they would go a long way. Down. That would go a long way towards solving some of these issues. And I think they did that for. Um, episode five too. They actually that was 50, that was like ten minutes longer. It it went over, but, but I mean AMC's not above the doing that if it fits the needs narratively to make it happen. Yeah. Okay, we've got some kind of megawatty spoilers and feedback, uh, some follow up on last week's megawatty spoilers. So I'm just giving you fair warning. Um, this guy, our anonymous spoiler guy uh, source, uh, we've got two of them now. Um, they purport to have seen, uh, information about this next episode. They were, um, they're pretty spot on with what they are predicting. Uh, cause they actually, some of, one of them sent me in spoilers two weeks ago that just didn't make the cut, didn't make the, the, the cutoff that were pretty accurate. So take this with the grains of salt, but I just want to give you a chance to sl- switch off if you didn't want to hear them. Um, first up, first anonymous sources, I have a major spoiler that will seriously affect and answer a major question this season has so far. I have on a hundred percent guarantee from a good source within the industry that Melissa McBride is in fact the lead character of the new walking dead spinoff. Oh-ho. So wherever Carol is off to in her dusty ride is probably not with our beloved inmates again. What say you to that, Jim? Uh, okay. All right. That sounds like fun. That I think that she's a decent 
rock mass with which to build a series on. They you turned need to surround her, her with. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, they turned her into a real character uh, in the last couple of seasons, and I think it's that's fitting. I like that. I think you need to surround her with the right cast members to mm-hmm. keep that good mojo going. But no, I I'm very. Very pleased by the, that news. That would have me uh, more intrigued than I've been so far about the spinoff series. Um, although, part of me wishes they'd had the balls to just go completely away. Sure, yeah. Cut all ties and tell a completely different story. Um, so that's one. Second anonymous source, uh, the spoiler guy says, In the spoiler section of Last Cast, you mentioned you are confused about Lizzie surviving for a while and assumed I meant Lily. I meant Lizzie Samuels, the awkward little girl everyone hates. She was cited filming for the second half of the season away from the prison. Aw, fuck. That's not cool. Um, Also, the governor, or Philip, or Brian, does get the tank. It seems like I was incorrect about it being a totally standalone episode, too. Uh, It shows the trailer that we've already seen by now. It says, uh, major spoilers are in it. It looks like the governor points a gun at Rick and Carl, shows up near the prison with a tank. I'm assuming it'll be the episode... It'll be like episode five and end there, and episode eight will be the final battle. And I think uh, that the show that the show can be saved. Um, so we've already the, the the bags out on episode seven. So I'll skip that. He was wrong about the way it ended, um, but, but he's right that the tank will show up. He's right about the prison. tank was acquired. I think he might have just depending on how they. I mean, I could I could easily see that being the climax, and then they thought and they shifted around when they're doing their uh, reshoots and everything. Um, let's see. Yeah, we talked about him capturing her. They say that that he is going uh, to capture Herschel and Michonne. Um, the governor is going to take Michonne's sword and and uh, uh, move in. Uh, shoot, this is some of this stuff is not correct actually, because <laughs> he keeps referring to Martinez still being alive. Oh yeah, that can't be right. Um. Bah, yeah, there's enough of this. I thought this was stronger, um, but now that I'm done reading through it again on the air, unfortunately, uh, I've seen a lot of stuff that, and there's a lot of references to Martinez in episode eight that just can't be. Hmm. So I should have taken that out. I got that. Um, and he talks about episode nine being the one where Team Prison, prison leaves and Rick gets sick. Um, he's on the run. Um, Rick and Carl find a small place to hide from the herd. Uh, assuming that Judith died, we'll see Carl going out and scoring some food and medicine for Rick. Um, near the end of the episode, Carl finds Michonne. So, uh, I don't know. This wasn't as, uh, this wasn't as megawatty as I was thinking. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, there were a couple of things. I mean, if he's right about Melissa McBride being the focus of the new series, that's a pretty big spoiler. That's kind of awesome. So. Yeah. So the, the thing is the, the main thrust of his argument is at the end, um, Lily somehow kills Judith and Beth in the crossfire mm-hmm. and uh, horrified at having just shot the baby, takes a shot at the governor and kills him, um, which is exactly how the comic plays out. So that would make sense. But I don't know that this is information actually from a shooting script or, or whatnot. So. Huh. That's weird, man. I don't feel like Lily has developed enough of a connection to the governor to make that really play as well as it should. Right. And right. I mean, wouldn't it be better for someone who's 
at more more at odds with him or maybe feel stronger about him? Uh, it would, I honestly think it'd be better if Mitch did it. Um, I actually think that um, uh, what did you say her name was the um, uh, Tara's girlfriend, uh, Alicia, I think. Alicia, Alicia. Um, I actually think it'd be better seeing her because she seems more capable. Like Lily with a gun does not enter into my thought processes at this point. To me, she's a nurse. She's never handled a gun. She never knows how to hit a walker. The fact that the governor would have her mount up with him on this mission seems very odd to me. Hmm. Yeah. That's the other thing that started making me think, I don't know about these, uh, about this. Um, so I don't know. Again, the stuff that seems interesting um, or seems like it's plausible is the stuff that we've heard a lot about and a lot of speculation. But there's a lot of stuff referring to the Martinez and all that that just doesn't seem like it adds up. Um, I don't know. It's too late to get spoilers from here on out. So we'll just see what happens on Sunday. Awesome. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it, surprisingly. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I just know how good this can be if they do it right. So I'm allowing myself to be excited. It's despite that should tell people something. If I'm excited about the way this could end, uh, <laughs> you know, I just see nothing but good things. Getting, I mean, I mean this is going to sound very cold and heartless, but you know, getting rid of Beth and Judith, getting rid of even Herschel, getting this cast down. I mean, it's gotten a little bit too big, a little bit too unwieldy. They need to add some new characters next next season, and then got to get rid of some to make room for them. And you know, it's. I don't really want to see Beth gone. I don't care one way or another for Judith, although if they play that right, it's going to destroy me. Um, and Herschel, of course, is going to be a tough loss. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, um, you know, it's it's. Ew, boy, he's just a really good actor and a really good character. So he'll be missed if that's the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. That's it then. We're done. That's it. We're done. All right. Well. I- Okay, I'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Yeah, your move, pumpkin. Uh, Get out of here.